Welcome to another episode of Real Talk on 92.5 WLSD, The Vault. You can listen or watch many, many ways on Facebook. You can listen on Spotify, go to YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. Or you can go to WLSDRadio.com. There's many, many ways if you want to check out and follow the show. We have a listener, uh, a couple listeners in Knoxville, Tennessee. A shout out to my old friend Nate. He uh, He's tuning in tonight. He was... Uh, I think he was down in Atlanta, and I think I saw where he was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. But yes, you are tuning in to the talk show, Real Talk. And if you haven't guessed by the opening score, this is to the movie, the 1994 remake of the movie The Getaway. Now, I haven't really seen the original movie The Getaway, so I can't really compare, and I'm not going to tonight. That would be a totally different Getaway. 1972, I think. But that's not the Getaway that we're actually talking about tonight. We're talking about the 1994 Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger, Michael Madsen, James Woods, Jennifer Tilly, and David Morse, The Getaway. And I had never really seen this movie. I had heard of it before. I've heard of the original. But it's one of those movies that kind of kind of slips through the cracks, if you could say. It came out in a time where I, I would have went to seen this uh, if it had come out around the area in which I lived. And this that this particular movie didn't come around uh, here. It only was in, I think, 1,600 screens. And the way I came to know about this film was uh, kind of a, a fun a fun little factoid. Nowadays, you can look up any any film, any actor, any actress, any director, and you can find the body of work that they've uh, been attached to. But the way I found out about The Getaway is my friend, He, uh, we, were, we were about 13 years old, so we were probably 7th grade. So he had taken, uh, you know, I I'd went to his house, me and a couple guys had went there, and we'd played basketball and played uh, probably Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis, one of the two. And then we watched uh, probably a uh, Van Damme or Seagull or Stallone movie, an action movie. But then, when it became the, the wee hours of the night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., out came this VHS tape. So said friend put the VHS tape into the VCR. We were younger. And there's several several scenes that were watching the feature nudity in in different movies just one of the guys was one of the films 
uh, well, movies. Uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo had a few snippets. There was a few snippets from this movie as well, The Getaway. And I actually also caught the last, uh, the third act a couple, well, probably a decade ago. And uh, thought, you know, this is a good last act. And, you know, that's why I, I, um, I, I, I that's why I uh, came to found out, to come to find out and uh, watch The Getaway. Now, typically, as I've said in the past, I watch a movie every single night sometimes only five nights a week but this week I didn't I have been diving into uh, the most recent episodes of Twin Peaks and going to little uh, random X-Files episodes to fall asleep to um, so I haven't really watched any other movie this week except The Getaway and I watched Evil Dead 2 Listen to the score. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, if you haven't heard of The Getaway, this is a movie that has Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger, Michael Madsen, James Woods, Jennifer Tilly, and David Morse. And it's about an ex-con and his devoted wife. They're fleeing danger when a heist doesn't go as planned. Has there ever been a heist that goes as planned? I mean, does a heist go as planned? Maybe... In the Ocean's 11, 12, and 13 movies, maybe they go as planned then. But does any other heist movie have a heist that doesn't go wrong? You know it's going to go wrong. And you know it's going to go wrong. Regardless of what the heist is in this film, you know it's going wrong as well. So I, was, I, I, did, I always do some research on the movies. Even though um, most of the time I've watched said movie. But tonight, no. Only snippets. But I checked out this director, Roger Donaldson. And it's probably a name that you don't know. Because it was a name that I honestly didn't know. But I did know some of the movies that he has directed. And I'm thinking he is more or less a director for hire. But he has worked with Kevin Costner a couple of times. And he's worked, worked with some pretty big actors and actresses. So he did the Kevin Costner movie No Way Out. He worked with Tom Cruise in Cocktail. You have Michael Madsen, uh, Natasha Henstridge, and Ben Kingsley in Species. You've got Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton in Dante's Peak. He worked with Kevin Costner in 13 Days Again. He also worked with Al Pacino and Colin Farrell in The Recruit. And he also worked once again in the Pierce Brosnan action movie, The November Man, as well as this 1994 film. Now, I'm not going to uh, try to pull the wool over your all's eyes. This movie is nothing more than what I just said it is. But if you go in knowing that it's this type of film, I think you're going to enjoy it because it's very enjoyable. Although, it wasn't initially a success. Or maybe, I don't even know if anyone really considers it a success even now. 
But financially, this movie was not a great success. It had a budget of $30 million. It made $16.1 million U.S. and about 30 worldwide. So after you get half, studios typically get half of what the worldwide gross is. So they did not break even. Probably on video sales, VHS, laser discs. <laughs> um, I'm sure this is on DVD. I happened to watch it on Freebie, I think. Freebie, I do think so. Or Tubi. But I do think it's Freebie. Now, this has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 33%. And not that that really matters, because in all honesty, it doesn't. But I'd just like to put that on there for some of the people that like to kind of gauge it by what the critics said of the film. And this was one of the lowest, if not the lowest, Rotten Tomatoes score film that we've done. I'd have to go back and look um, at all the sheets. There is an itinerary. I would have to go back and look, but this is one of the lowest. And this has an IMDb score of 5.8, which is also one of the lowest that we've had. So a little bit of info about this film before we jump in is that Michael Madsen, now if you know him, like I said, he was in Species, he was in uh, The Getaway, he was in Reservoir Dogs. He was in Kill Bill Volume 2. I don't think he makes an appearance in Volume 1. But he is you know, kind of known a lot as uh, often the villain, the bad guy. He's a rough and tumble guy. But during one of the scenes in the later part of the movies, there's, there's going to be spoiler alerts because this is a movie from 1994. So I'm thinking... You know, even me telling you is not going to really spoil anything. But Michael Madsen accidentally really did hit Burton Gillum's face into the closet door near the end of the film, and he did it for real. As a result, Gillum had to be taken to the hospital, get five to seven stitches on his lower lip, and then they had to wait about, about a week before they could refilm his scenes because his lip was... Uh, you know, busted and bruised and, uh, you know, swelled. So that was kind of a, a cool thing. And when you see the scene, you could easily see how this could happen by accident because this was during an era when a lot of things that you see on screen actually were happening for the most part. Um, there's a couple of love scenes in the film between Alec Baldwin and his wife at the time, Kim Basinger, and all the scenes, the intimate scenes, were done in closed, empty rooms with a camera operating remotely. So no one was in these rooms watching them as they filmed these intimate scenes for, for the movie. And there are two different scenes in there. So this might be the music to one of them. I think so. So these scenes, to so the music that you're hearing play, were filmed by ghost operators. So they just did it remotely. 
but I think I would want that too. Now, you know, I don't know. Jennifer Tilly says uh, later on, she says that she loves to do nude scenes. She said at first it's scary, but the actress also said it's it's much better doing it in front of 50 people than not being able to do it and not being scared to do it. She just goes out of her way, enjoys herself, does the scenes, and, and doesn't care. And that's a cool way to do it also. You know, I don't know. I would want to get paid. The more people in the room, the more I would want my salary to increase. I think that would be only fair. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, there's a man at the very end of the film. I mean, the very, very end of the film. Gives nothing away, but you'll know when you watch it. He sells his truck to the couple, and his name is Slim. In the getaway of 1972, this character was played by Slim Pickens. So it was a kind of a little nod to the original Slim of the original movie, which the director, Roger Donaldson, admired. He really liked the original film, and he thought that he could take it and put his stamp on it. No, I have read a few reviews that said this is almost a shot-for-shot shot remake. And uh, that might be something to get into a little later on down the road. Whereas I've not really watched the original. Another little factoid here is that this film includes two Oscar winners. Kim Basinger and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Which I forgot to mention. He is in this film. He's... he's Man, he's really young. I mean, he's probably 25 years old, I would say. I mean, he's a young Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I I found his character... I guess where I, I grew to know him as a little bit of an you know older actor. That when I see him, you know, when he's in his 20s doing a, a serious role, it kind of catches me off guard. Because, you know, he pops up in Twister and... Uh, you know this and he's he's pretty young in both of those but it regardless of that and it has four Oscar nominees James Woods Alec Baldwin Jennifer Tilly and Richard Farnsworth your Richard Farnsworth wasn't extremely happy that he had to work in a in a lot of scenes with a lot of curse words he said he was a little embarrassed about that. But my thought would be, you have the script. You're reading the script. You see the dialogue you're going to be interacting with. So why would that not be brought to your attention before you took the role? If you're uncomfortable with what the role entails for you to do or interact with, then don't do it. Simple solution to simple problems. So, the plot and the story. So, like I said, this is about an ex-con and his devoted wife. They're going to flee from danger when a heist doesn't go as planned. So, uh, you got Alec and Kim. And uh, his name's Doc. He, he, he keeps being called Doc multiple times, which that is his name in the film. But it's such a, a name that just stands out to me 
that it, it's very noticeable. Because it's said at least... I would say his name is said at least 25 times. I think so. But anyway, they, in a way, um, they get screwed early on in the film. And uh, Doc has to go to uh, a Mexican prison south of the border in Mexico. Tijuana, I think, is where he is serving his time of one year. All due to the fact that... Uh, fact. <laughs> That Michael Madsen, whose character's name is Rudy, kind of abandons them at the last moment. Doc got away with the money who he gave to his wife, and she got away. Whereas Doc took the fall, went to prison, Rudy got away, fled, and the only way that Doc is able to get out is if when she goes and visits the slimy, snaky, but perfectly cast James Woods as kind of this, this slimy businessman who wants to have the appearance of class personified, but really is doing the dirty dealings behind the scenes, pulling the strings. He's able to get Doc out of prison, using uh, sexual advances on his wife, Doc's wife. And uh, therefore, the middle part of the movie begins. Because what begins to happen is that several people want this money that Doc has. Doc does think that Rudy, they, they have an encounter a little later on, he thinks that uh, you know he that Rudy's dead. I think I think it was it was a little bit of a chase, but I'm trying to remember if it's he was shot. Yeah, I think he was shot because Doc tells them for this one last job, let's um, we need to all wear bulletproof vests. And then Rudy's like, Nah, I've, I've never done that. I'm not going to start doing it now. But he ends up having the bulletproof vest on. He survives getting shot, and therefore. He is pretty much um, chasing Doc and his wife. And up until about the third act, they have no idea that he's even in pursuit of them. Because Rudy, actually Rudy does uh, end up getting shot. And he pretty much uh, becomes the new tenant uh, of uh, a vet and his wife. And... Uh, that's another little side, side plot with uh, Jennifer Tilly because she totally transforms. And I don't want to give that away. I don't want to give that little side plot away because I, I think it's something that... Um, I, I don't know if it's like this in the original, but it's a nice little cherry on top. It's like a decent Sunday, you know, like a B-plus Sunday with a little cherry on top. If you don't like cherries, you can just throw it, but still have fun with it. And that's kind of how this movie is. Kind of a throwaway movie, but it's a fun movie nonetheless. So the plot is really nothing that we haven't seen before. Heist goes wrong. One person or one group is after some people as they're trying to get away, evade the others, get across the border, this or that. It's, it's a plot that's not anything spectacular. 
the way it's told is not even that spectacular either. But it's entertaining. And everyone on screen looks like they, they, they look their parts. Michael Keaton was actually originally um, going to play Doc. Michael Keaton. I find Michael Keaton and then Alec Baldwin not really the same kind of an actor. Like I said, the characters, all the characters are, are good. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty much cliched characters. There's not an extreme amount of depth in the film. Betrayal is a theme. Uh, you know, trust. Escape. Love. That would be the greatest points in the film. And each character, pretty much, they, they do their job as your stereotypical hero. Alec Baldwin was, if you don't, I don't know if you all remember, but there was a time when, before Alec Baldwin, this, this whole Rust thing, but in the late 2000, probably middle 2000s, from the movie The Cooler on, especially when he was on 30 Rock, his, his, uh, his roles changed. He was used to doing action or drama or more character study pieces. But then the later half of his career, he went the comedic route. And uh, so that's what a lot of people don't might not know him from now is he did movies like The Getaway. He did movies like uh, what was the uh, The Hunt for Red October. He was also asked to uh, repri reprise the role, but he didn't. And then Harrison Ford did two Jack Ryan roles. Those were originally meant for Alec Baldwin. The Shadow, one of the first comic book movies, if you, if you remember. The Shadow had cards, collector's cards, as did Dick Tracy. But, you know, all the characters are pretty much what you expect, um, except Jennifer Tilly's character. And I'm not going to give that away because that's quite the surprise. And that's a fun side uh, subplot of the movie. And it's, it's fun and unexpected in a way. But now that you know it, like, well, you don't know it if you've not seen it. But now that I know it, I can clearly see uh, Gentilly, that's what I call her, Gentilly's um, perspective, perspective as the character and why she does what she does. Do I have a favorite scene or a least favorite scene? That's tough. I mean, one of my least favorite scenes is the, uh, you know, at this one point, they're trying to escape. Doc and, uh, and Wifey trying to escape. They do escape, but they escaped out, out of the back of a, a trash truck as they're getting dumped into the landfill. And just the thought of getting dumped inside of a landfill is kind of gross. It kind of grosses me out. 
And I couldn't even imagine being in such grossness. Ugh. So that's probably one of my least favorite scenes. They could probably have come up with something better than that. Uh, my favorite scene, though, I mean, the whole third act is a solid third act. And there's some little subplots with Rudy and Gentilly that are good as well. There, There's not really a dull moment on screen. Everyone does a good job. So, yeah, I would say some scenes in the middle with Rudy and Gentilly. So, Rudy is out in the desert. And he's driving, he's injured, and he finds a remote... He just stumbles upon, really, a vet's office. Harold and then Gentilly. Uh, Harold's kind of this geeky, mild-mannered guy that doesn't want any trouble. And then you've got Gentilly. She's uh, kind of really meek and mild and afraid to say anything. Until Rudy starts bossing Harold around. And then Rudy pretty much emasculates Harold, ties him up in the bathroom. Her uh, Rudy goes in there to Gentilly, pretty much takes his wife. Harold's in the bathroom, tied up, bound and gag, listening. And then Harold gets loose and uh, hangs himself. Gentilly... Rudy find him in there. Let's go. And they go. They're on to try to find Doc. The mission of Rudy is to get the money back. So it's a, it's a solid scene. And I think the I think the whole movie's a solid scene, to be honest with you. But only the trash dump truck is the only scene that I ugh, I'm not really fond of. Score music, Mark Isham, he's the composer, and uh, let's take a little gander here, gander with your ears. Yeah, it's a pretty solid soundtrack, I gotta say. Well, score. Uh, Mark Isham. I don't really know much about Mark Isham other than that there is about 15... No, there's 21 different tracks of the score on the getaway on YouTube. And, and they're all great. I listened to them earlier today, and I thought they were all solid. I, I truly did. And I don't really go around listening to a lot of soundtracks other than the show, but I do notice score during the movies. And if, if I'm in the mood, I will go ahead and just listen to the score like I did today. But it's really solid. Oh, and that brings us to originality. Um, you know, this is based upon, this is a remake of a film a film that I've never really seen, 
So I can't say that it's original in that fact because I haven't seen the original. And as far, you know, as far as it goes with other heist type movies, there's nothing in this movie that makes it stand out as being it's not an infinity pool. It's not a movie. It's and I'm not even going to say in a derogatory fashion by all accounts this would not be a memorable movie. There's nothing extremely great about it because it's all standard stuff that you've pretty much seen before over the years. But it does have a terrific cast and everyone on screen does a great job. That's kind of what sets it apart. The performances. It's realistic. It's a little bit psychological with Rudy and Gentilly. But it's entertaining enough. And I think it runs right around uh, about an hour and 50, 45 or 50 minutes. I think it's an hour and 54 minutes. And it goes by quickly. I did split it up, watched it in two nights. But just because I started late one night, probably 2 a.m., and then I rewatched uh, the rest the next night. Now, for the people at home, people on the road, you can't look because you're driving. But people online, people listening on their phones, people that aren't driving, you can go and look up or you can go on the Other People Show page, Ryan Parker Facebook page, and look up the getaway poster. I mean, it's a very effective poster. And it was a difficult poster to try and find a replica of. Like, you know, a good replica. You can always go on IMDb, and I should have just done that to begin with. But I didn't. But I did find one. And I think it's a very... I mean, it's a good poster. It's very basic. But you get the idea and that's all you really needed it, it might maybe it needed to go the extra mile because it wasn't a critical or a financial success I guess in all accounts this would be seen as a failure but it really wasn't a failure it wasn't ahead of its time it's just a solid action thriller with good performances a fantastic score and a fun time it's, it's a really fun time. Now, would I recommend for you to watch this? <sighs> you know... I feel like I say a lot about, you know, you should watch this, you should watch this. If you like a good solid action thriller, you're going to like this. If you don't, you're not going to. Now, this movie starts off pretty quickly, and it's pretty much, it's well-paced, but it's not, except for the third act, it's not, you know, uh, shoot him up the entire film. But in the last act, it is kind of almost like the last act of The Way of the Gun is pretty much gun battles and such. That might be one a good a good one to do if you've not seen that. The Way of the Gun. 
Benicio, Ryan Phillippe, Juliet Lewis, Tay Diggs. That is a good one to do. That also has a young Sarah Silverman playing a foul-mouthed bully who gets punched in the opening scene. But yeah, I would say if you want to spend a good two hours watching a movie with a loved one by yourself, what I did really is, and this is what I recommend if you if you can, is I will put on the movie. I'll, I'll usually watch late at night. I rarely ever watch anything during the day. I'll probably watch a movie tonight when I go back. I'm not sure what. But I'll do some exercise, watch the movie, do some more exercise, watch the movie... I just do exercise the entire time watching the movie. Then, when it's time to actually get in bed, then I can put on something quiet and something, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say eerie or mysterious or something like that. But I do find films or TV shows that gear, that lean toward that way, easier to fall asleep to. Not because they're boring, just because they're quiet often. And the music is subtle. And it's kind of like a low-key vibe. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure you do. Let's see what else we have here. We have the score, like I said. It's a really good score. Now... I know we have, uh, it just seemed like Halloween just flew by so fast. And I know we have Thanksgiving coming up in less than two weeks. I don't even think I gave the, the date out tonight. But November 10th, and we have Thanksgiving on November 23rd. That's crazy. That's just crazy. So we're going to have a couple of, uh, I think I might have, I'm not sure what we're going to do next week yet. I was trying to think, and I think the week after that, Thanksgiving week, we're going to do the Jodie Foster, Robert Downey Jr. movie called Home for the Holidays. And it's one of my favorite movies to watch around this time of year. It, it takes, it's one of the, the few movies that takes place upon uh, Thanksgiving. And then we're also going to dive into the Eli Roth movie called Thanksgiving. I might do that one first because that I might do that one next week. Mm, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough unless I am. It, it comes out Friday, so if I'm able to watch Thanksgiving November seventeenth before the show, I will review Thanksgiving on the show. Yes. If not, it'll be something else. But it'll be something that you'll enjoy and something that hopefully you'll go back and watch and check out if you haven't done so. So a little uh, early episode tonight. That's okay. Got a long day tomorrow. You probably had a long day today. So just sit back. Go on freebie. Type in the getaway, put your feet back, turn out the light, 
and watch the film. But before you do that, make sure you go to one of our social media pages, which are Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Like and share the other people's show. Thank you for listening on 92.5 WLSD, The Vault. And please go to our, uh, our sister station, WAXM. They have a lot of great programming over there. And you can also go on the on-demand section on their website and check out some episodes I do of The Dark Place, which kind of highlight some true crime teen killers of the last 20 years. And I'll be having a new one this Wednesday. You all have a good night. Stay tuned at 11 p.m. for the other people's show. Have a good night.